Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation, and welcome to another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dennis Ackerman. The Raiders look to snap a two-game losing streak as they head to Kansas City to take on their arch rival, the Chiefs. The Raiders have lost six straight in Kansas City and 10 of 11 overall. Arrowhead, in particular, has been a house of horrors for quarterback Derek Carr. He's never won at KC. Oh, and six. And the numbers aren't pretty, Raider Nation. He's thrown four touchdown passes and eight interceptions, including a pick six two years in a row. If you want to check the line and the over-under and all the rest of the lines on all the NFL games, then head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. This is the 123rd all-time meeting between these two rivals. The Chiefs lead the series 67-53, and there's been two ties. Kansas City is one of four franchises that owns a winning record against the Raiders. The other three, the Ravens, Texans, and the Patriots. The first meeting was September 16, 1960. It was a Friday night, and the Raiders lost to the Chiefs, who were actually known as the Dallas Texans. You see, the Chiefs spent their first three seasons in Dallas before relocating to Kansas City and rebranding as well. The two franchises represented the AFL in three of the first four Super Bowls. In the 1970s, the Raiders dominated the rivalry, going 10-1 during a six-year stretch. And I'm sure it was sweet for the late Al Davis. You see, when the AFL and the NFL merged for the 1970 season, Al, who at the time was the commissioner of the AFL, thought he should be the commissioner. But the late Chiefs owner, Lamar Hunt, worked behind the scenes brokering a deal to have Pete Rozelle become the NFL commissioner. So you know Al, he wanted to stick it to the Chiefs every chance he had. And if you want to see what football was like about 50 years ago, then go to YouTube and check out the 1970 game in Kansas City when a brawl broke out between the Raiders' Ben Davison and the Chiefs' Otis Taylor. The late, great Bill King was on the call, and it not only typified the rivalry, but football back in the day as well. The 80s were more competitive, but the Raiders still won more than they lost. But then in 1989, the Chiefs hired head coach Marty Schottenheimer and he absolutely despised the Raiders. Schottenheimer and the Chiefs owned the Raiders, beating the Silver and Black 18 times at a 21-game span. And if that wasn't bad enough, in 93, longtime Raider Marcus Allen joined the Chiefs, and he lost just once to the Silver and Black in five years. 
Now, Allen wasn't the only player who suited up for both franchises. Quarterback Rich Gannon, wide receiver Andre Risen, Tom Flores, about running back Harvey Williams, just to name a few. When Gruden arrived in 98, the power of balance began to shift, and the Raiders won six of the next seven. But over the last eight years, it's been all KC. And on Wednesday, Derek Carr was asked about the rivalry or lack thereof. Honestly, if we're being honest, to make it a rivalry, we got to we gotta win some games here. You know what I'm saying? You know, that, that would make it a lot nicer. Scott, you know, uh, they, they've had our number for a little bit, and it kind of makes us mad. And so, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to go out there and we're going to fight. And, and we, the guys know, you know, Coach Gruden talks about it. You know, he, he, he makes sure that the, the young guys know what they're getting into and things like that, that uh, they don't like us, we don't like them. You know, there's not a lot of handshaking <laughs> uh, between the two. Never has been, never will be probably. Uh, you know, even though there are friends on each side, but when you're playing each other, Chiefs Raiders, it's not friendly. But uh, you know, we get, we we got to make it a rivalry. You know, if we're going to be honest, we got to go win some football games against them. ESPN is reporting defensive tackle Maurice Hurst has tested positive for COVID-19, and the team placed him on the reserve COVID-19 list. Now, the Raiders' practice facility was open, and they did practice on Wednesday. But you have to wonder. After two more Titans tested positive and the Patriots' Stephon Gilmore tested positive as well, are we headed towards some type of NFL bubble? I mean, you can even question, should the Patriots and Chiefs game been played? You know, the league has clamped down on coaches not wearing masks, as Raiders head coach John Gruden can attest to. But I think right now, all the cards are on the table. And at some point, we might be looking at an 18-week season. All right, Raider Nation, I know you could use some good news, and here it is. Rookie wide receiver Henry Ruggs III and Trent Brown both returned to practice. Ruggs has missed the last couple of games dealing with the hamstring and knee issues. And as far as Brown, well, the big right tackle missed most of training camp with a calf injury. And in the season opener against the Carolina Panthers, he left after three snaps and hasn't played since. So are both good to go for Sunday? Well, here's what Gruden had to say. Well, we've been working Trent for a long time, so he wouldn't be out there practicing if he wasn't close to being ready. He's missed a lot of time. Ruggs is a rookie uh, who had no spring practice, and he's missed a lot of time. So I don't know if they're going to play this week or not, but it's good to have him back out on the field. The Raiders had 19 players listed on Wednesday's injury report. Now, that does include veterans like Jason Witten and Rodney Hudson getting veteran days off. However, a couple of key components did miss, like wide receiver Brian Edwards, as well as Malik Collins. Edwards missed the game against Buffalo after spraining his ankle the week before against New England. Collins injured his shoulder in the Bills game. Now, following the Raiders' loss to Buffalo, quarterback Derek Carr was very adamant he was tired of losing. He said putting in all the work, but then going out, Coming out on the short end of the stick was getting old and frustrating. On Monday, Carr and the team discussed what they needed to do to get things turned around, and it was all about accountability. Coach does a really good job of uh, accountability, and I think that that's the word that it comes down to for everybody, is holding yourself to a certain standard, and when you don't meet that standard, just owning it, you know, and just saying, hey, man, just, uh, to your peers, like, hey, I didn't meet that standard, and 
had a really, really, uh, what was it? What did we meet Monday? Uh, really, really good meeting Monday as a team uh, about that. And guys just owning, saying, "Yeah, and I'm going to fix it and all that kind of stuff." And myself included, like, "Yeah, we'll we'll do it." And when whenever you have that, at least it gives you a chance to do things the right way. You know, Paul. Like, at least at least it gives you the chance. Cause I've been on, <laughs> I've been on, I've been on some teams here in the past where there was none of that, and it just it just went haywire. You know what I mean? So at least it gives you a fighting chance when you got guys that'll own up to it and be like, "Hey." This is what I need to do, myself included. This is what I need to do. And, and then, you, and then you, sh- you show your teammates that you're working on it at practice. If you look at the Raiders' numbers from a statistical standpoint, they're playing pretty well on offense. They're 10th in the league in scoring and about middle of the pack in total yards. But as you know, they rank near the bottom third in the league in every defensive category. And in the all-important turnover ratio, they're a minus four. That's better than just four teams. I know I harped on this following Sunday's loss to the Bills. The Raiders need to finish drives, cut out the costly penalties, and eliminate the turnovers. If they have any hope of beating the Chiefs on Sunday, they are 12-point underdogs. And you know, one thing I find very interesting about this year's Chiefs, I've watched all four of their games And the offense is obviously loaded with talent. It starts with Patrick Mahomes, and they get all the headlines with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Clyde Edwards-Elair, the rookie running back out of LSU. But you know what, Raider Nation? This Chiefs defense is not to be overlooked. In the opener against the Texans, they kept Deshaun Watson bottled up, and they did the same thing to the Ravens' Lamar Jackson. You know, I thought that Monday night game between the Chiefs and the Ravens was going to be the game of the year. Turned out to be one of the duds of the year because the Chiefs just dominated both offensively and defensively. Now, I know they caught a break with New England as Cam missed the game because of COVID-19. But they have a lot of players on defense as well. And they're ranked in the top 10 in several statistical categories, including points allowed and passing yards. And this wasn't lost on Raiders head coach John Gruden, who was very complimentary of them as well. They're number two in scoring defense, number five in total defense. Uh, They take the ball away. They blitz you. They come from everywhere. And they've got uh, two great players on their front. They got a very good linebacker core. They play aggressive coverage in the secondary. And I give Spagnola, the defensive coordinator, a lot of credit. You have no idea what he's going to come up with next. And it's a, great, uh, it's a great scheme. It's very diverse. And uh, Tyron Matthew is, is one of the guys that really makes it go. So um, they've been real, real stingy to everybody that I've seen them play. Now, one area the Chiefs defense is vulnerable is the run game. They give up more than 160 yards on the ground. So you better believe Gruden is looking at that and thinking, man, I need to feed Josh Jacobs the rock over and over and over again. I'll have a little bit more on the Chiefs defense coming up a little bit later. All right, on today's podcast, I have a very special guest. He's a friend, former Fox Sports colleague, and one of the co-hosts of Good Morning Football, which can be seen every morning on the NFL Network at 7 a.m. Eastern. Welcome, Peter Schrager. Yeah, Dennis, I I don't think the listeners actually know how deep we go. We would go on these crazy road trips. You would be the producer. I would be the struggling reporter trying to make do with a microphone in my hand. But 
I would be amazed by these stories you would have that like on your off week, instead of going to Hawaii or going to celebrate uh, a, a week off of work, you'd like trek by van with a friend to go to Raiders games uh, in San Diego or wherever they played. I just love your devotion to that team. So here you are and I'm proud of, proud of you and I'm happy to be on this podcast. Absolutely. Hey, did you know how popular Good Morning Football was going to be when you first started? No, I, popular. I'm not even sure it's still popular. We're just happy to be doing it. Uh, but it's been the coolest gig of my career. You and I were working together a lot when I was at Fox Sports 1, and I was just a strict reporter. But now I get the opportunity to be a host, to talk to NFL players in a more casual way and wake up every morning um, with fans. But it's been a huge change in my life, career, obviously, but personal as well. And I love working for the show. It's now in our fifth season. And Raiders fans watch, and Raiders fans are everywhere. They're up at all hours. We get them internationally and everything. So we're happy to talk Raiders whenever we can. That's fantastic. All right, so how would you assess the Raiders four weeks into the season? Same old, same old. <laughs> like you get excited, and you're like, all right, we're 2-0, and and that's a huge win over the Saints, and then now we're 2-2 two and two again. Like, you know, Carr's got eight touchdowns and zero interceptions, and you look at it on paper, and you're like, he's having a great year, but here we are, 500. Light years behind the Chiefs still. Luckily, the Broncos and Chargers aren't what they have been, so you think that you're kind of going for that wild card spot, but gosh, wouldn't it be great just to be 4-0 or 3-1 and or win a game last week with the Bills coming in and they've got a young quarterback and we're the home team? I just feel for, for Raiders fans because just when you want to get excited and say this is the year, they'll bring you right back down and it's 2-2. Two and two. I want to talk a little bit more about Derek Carr if we could, Shrakes. He has fumbled three times though in the last two weeks. I mean, he just seems to cough it up, it feels like, on every, every sack. Um, where do you rank him among the 32 quarterbacks? I guess I'm, I guess I'm harsher on Carr than others, and I hear about that from Raiders fans because I just, I know how good he can be. Like last year in that Thursday night game, he comes out on national television and is dealing, and he's beating Rivers. And then this year in the Monday night game, it's like he's wearing his heart in his sleeve and he's going so hard, and you're like, you want to root for this guy. And then no shows in big games and fumbles and big plays, and I don't know if I have him in the top 16. I don't, and I know he's the all-time touchdown leader for the Raiders and he's going to end up with a ton of wins in his career and he's a Raider for life and the whole thing but he's not in the top tier he's probably not in the second tier and then you start slipping into the all right well would you rather have Baker Mayfield or Derek Carr would you rather have Dak Prescott or Derek Carr would you rather have Nick Foles or Derek Carr like you get into those conversations and that's not where you want to be with a guy who's been with the team for eight years or however long he's been right in the first two games of the season, Carr and the offense were finishing drives, and they haven't done that, Pete, the last two weeks. And if you have any hope of beating Kansas City, you, you can't settle for three. You've got to finish drive, and you can't, you know, it's got to be touchdowns instead of field goals, right, to have any chance yeah. of beating this team. Yeah, look at, look at the last two opponents that gave the Chiefs at least a little bit of a scare. The Ravens, they come in, and they, you know, their first drive, they're marching downfield, and they settle for three, and it's like, well, what was the point? Because they're going to come and score. The other one with the – with the Patriots, like, you can't make mistakes like Hoyer made at the end of the first half, or you will not win that game. I know they won by 16, but that was a very close game. And if Hoyer calls a timeout there, or if Hoyer gets the ball in the end zone, suddenly it's a whole different narrative. Um, Belichick seems to be the only defensive coordinator who could figure him out. Mahomes, I don't know if Paul Gunther, and what is this, chance number probably five against Mahomes, has another trick up his sleeve, but it hasn't worked yet. And uh, I know the Raiders were winning early. I think it was like 10 nothing last year when they played in Oakland. 
Um, but then it was a blowout from that point on. So I, you have to score. You have to keep up with them. You got to score 30 to beat the Chiefs, and you certainly need to score 40 to be comfortable with it. Well, you mentioned Paul Gunther, and I'm sure you hear about him about from Raider fans. Everybody wants him out. But, Pete, let me – I want to make this point. I don't know if it's entirely his fault. I don't know if all the pieces are there. So I don't know if it's a combination of his scheme. Is it a lack of playmakers, or is it a combination of both? Why this defense is so bad through the first four weeks? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's always the fall guy, and the fall guy is going to be a defensive coordinator in these situations. And yet Paul has such a relationship with Gruden. They go back so far, and their, their love is so tight that I don't know if he's going to be the fall guy. I think he might be riding it out. You'd like to think they switch things up. I mean, I wore a Max Crosby jersey on the show all summer long, and I said he's going to be the breakout player of the NFL. Like, I, all right, I understand there's issues there, but, like, let's let's go. And Arnett's hurt or whatever it is with him. And it's like you have all these young players. You're waiting, and, you're like, you're wanting, and there's moments and there's flashes, but, like, it just doesn't seem to be able to put together. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to blame Paul Gunther for this. I feel like it's a combination of a lot of things. And if they lose by 55 to 20 this week, you know, to the Chiefs, then, yeah, it's, it's another week of, all right, what are we doing? And I think the Cowboys have a lot of the same situations as the Raiders do right now. Give me one player on the Raiders' offense and defense that needs to play well for them to have any hope on Sunday. I mean, this is obvious and it's trite, but, like, if Josh Jacobs can tote the rock 40 times, and that seems like a lot, let's say 30, and put up 130 on the ground and they just own the time of possession and keep this thing within – seven points uh, going into the fourth quarter. They got a shot defensively. Oh, I don't know. I mean, watching that game last week against, against the bills and I don't see any of the corners making big plays when Beasley is making plays and Brown is making plays. And of course, Diggs has that moss catch where Allen made the play. You pick your corner. I think the corners need to step up this week. When you're talking about corners. There's a former Raider cornerback. It's his birthday today. Cause we're taping this on October the 7th. Can you tell me, Whose birthday it is today? Which can I get Raiders? a? Can I get a decade? Can I get some sort of context? He played for them. Birthday. Two different stints. How about that? Two different stints. Two different stints. Raiders. Recent Raiders or yes. like '70s Raiders. Recent Raider, and he won a Super Bowl with another team. Uh, oh, recent Raider. Uh, give me one more clue, Dennis. I love trivia. Give me one more clue. This is not we're number two. Okay, we're number twenty-four. Oh, okay. So Charles Woodson is our Raider. There you go. It's a little easier. I, I guess you're right. If you said Heisman Trophy winner or Hall of Famer, then it would have been obvious. But uh, okay, I'm, I'm glad I guessed that one and didn't go with like Eric Allen or anyone else in the entire database of Raiders cornerback <laughs> history. Hey, Pete, with no OTAs, limited training camp, uh, no preseason, we're a quarter of the way through the season now. Do we know the identity of most teams? Are we still trying to figure out, you know, who the cream of the crop is and who the bottom feeders are? No, I think we know. Like, we know. And we also know, uh, you know, how teams are going to start, you know, responding to some adversity here. I, I think this is the first quarter of the season with basically the preseason. But, like, the Jets aren't winning the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> the Giants aren't going to do anything this year. The, Red, the Washington football team's not going to do anything. But, like, if you're 2-2 two and two, or if you're 3-1, and one, then we're talking, are you in the conversation? But – as expected, the Chiefs, the Ravens, I, I expected the Packers to be lights out. They are. The, the Brady Bucks and the Breeze Saints are two and two, but I think they're going to get their act together also. Like those teams were the teams everyone was talking about. And barring 
what the 49ers have dealt with with their injuries, I think all those heavy hitters have all come out pretty strong. There hasn't been any great disappointment other than maybe the Cowboys. Is Kansas City the best team right now? Oh, my gosh. By leaps and bounds. Like, they win every single type of way. Even when they aren't a slugfest, their defense finds a way. They haven't lost in 331 days. So I got an argument on Good Morning Football because – uh, Burleson is saying that, like, well, you got to put Buffalo in the conversation. I don't have to put Buffalo in the conversation. I have not seen the Bills beat the Chiefs. I've seen the Bills win four regular season games in October and September. So Chiefs have been through it, and it's just a carryover from last year. All the same talent and all of the same coaching staff. I, I think it's going to be really hard to beat them this season. We talk about the Chiefs' offense all the time, Pete, but I think their defense is very underrated. I think it's very good. It's excellent. And, you know, I didn't even know Taco Charlton was on the team. He's making a big play last week. They got guys. Juan Thornhill was injured for that playoff run. He was really good last year. He comes back as a second-year player healthy, making a big pick last week. And then they still have those old mainstays of Frank Clark and Sorensen and Matthew. Like, they were not good two years ago. You could score on the Chiefs, and that was their Achilles heel. They got better last year. They're, like, good this year. They're a good defense in the second year under Spagnuolo. If you're a defensive coordinator, give me one offensive weapon that you would try to take, excluding Mahomes, give me one offensive weapon you would try to take away. I mean, this is a $10 million question. No one can do it. There's so many, right? Like, honestly, you, all right, so you stop Tyreek Hill. Well, then they're going to crush you up the middle like the Texans got dealt with last year with Kelsey. Okay, you're going to stop Kelsey. And then they're going to go deep to Hardman and Hill if you focus on Kelsey. The craziest play of the year from them was the shovel pass to Anthony Sherman. And I watched that one back, and that was in the Monday night game against the Ravens. Watch that one back. There are defensive players that are linked up and locked on Hardman, Hill, Watkins, and Kelsey. And Mahomes rolls to his right and throws a shovel pass to Sherman on, four, on third down. It's like you don't know where it's coming from. They're ready for every different defensive option. You just have to hope they make a mistake. Yeah, with limited capacity now at these stadiums, I mean, you and I covered a game at Arrowhead. First of all, the tailgating scene is unbelievable, and it's usually yeah. one of the loudest uh, stadiums in the NFL. Is it a true home field advantage right now, though? There's fans there, right? And it's like, as much as a home field advantage can be, I guess that's one of them. I, I don't know if you watched a broadcast on Monday night, but like Romo and Nance were like, it's getting pretty loud in here. Like, all things considered, it's getting pretty loud in here. And I think it's a significant advantage that some teams have fans and others do not. Do the Raiders win that game or have some rallying comeback if there's fans in the stadium on Sunday? Maybe, probably not, but we'll never know because there weren't. So I, I look at this and I say, it's not the year to complain about competitive advantage. It's just not, it's not in good taste. And it's certainly having games is a big enough win for the NFL right now, but it is it is certainly something that some teams do have 22,000 people in the, in the stands and other teams do not. All right, final question. I'll get you out of here on this one. Give me a prediction for Sunday. I've been so negative. I feel terrible. I'm coming on this <laughs> Raiders theme podcast. I'm you're being honest. No, you're being, you're being honest. There's a difference. You're just being you know, honest. I don't, I don't know when Namdi Asimov's birthday is, but <laughs> it's going to take, it's going to take some real, uh, you know, fortunate, this is our day type deal for the Raiders to beat the Chiefs on Sunday. It's just what it is. So I think the Chiefs win. I think they win um, fairly easily unless the Raiders establish the run real early, which is not what every Raiders fan wanting to see rugs go nuts and have, you know, cart there for 400 yards. It's just, that's not how you, that's how you put up points against the Chiefs. It's not how you beat the Chiefs. They'll always get the last laugh. So 
I will say the Chiefs have their way with the Raiders. I think it's going to be like 35 to 17, something like that. And I know that's not what your fans want to hear, and it's not what the Raiders want to hear. But I, I just, based on recent history, Raiders, Chiefs, and based on what Mahomes is able to do, I think that the Chiefs have a significant advantage over this this Las Vegas Raiders team. Sorry. No, that's all right. All honest. You're just being honest, Pete, and that's what we want. So, hey, man, thanks so much for joining us. And don't forget, you can catch Peter Schrager every morning, 7 a.m. Eastern. Good morning, football on the NFL Network. All right, it's the Raiders and the Chiefs. It is a 10 a.m. Pacific start here on the West Coast. It's a CBS game. That's going to do it, Raider Nation, for this edition of the Bleed in Raiders podcast on the Bleed Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.